We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, it's me. Uh, my voice here to start this podcast. Just to let you know that this is a bonus podcast. It's an extra podcast that we recorded for our Patreon that I just thought was great. We had a great conversation with a great guest, and I wanted to let you all have a chance to listen to it uh, as well. So you're going to hear that coming up. If you'd like to join our Patreon in the future, you know how, patreon.com slash the timeline. See all your options there, as little as $3 a month, up to $10 a month. Uh, $6 for extra podcasts like this. Um, check it out. Listen to it. Enjoy. You'll hear a different theme song in a, in a second because it's a different podcast technically called The Overtimeline. Extra stuff from there. Real quick before we get to it, I did want to mention we'll be doing this Friday's game on playback. Kevin Durant or not, we're going to do it on Friday. Join us for that game on playback.com slash the timeline. And we will still do Kevin Durant's debut game on playback no matter when it is, we'll be ready to do that game. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy this extra episode this week. Here we go. What a game. Going to overtime. The overtime. All right, over timeline. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Bit of a tease, some of the news coming out today about the return of Kevin Durant. I'm super, yep. super excited to see it. And the notion of having to wait until next Wednesday hurts me a little bit. But I'm excited. We've got some stuff to talk about today. And we have a guest yeah. who is uh, long overdue, I think, to appear on the pod. So I'm really excited to, to pick his brain about basketball. Yeah. Today was a nice reminder of how the Suns are secretive about every single thing when it comes to injuries, and we have no idea when Kevin Durant's actually going to play. Nobody seems to know. Uh, yes, but we do have a guest joining us. I'm very excited to do this because we've been meaning to have Steven on for a while, and his name's Steven. He's on Twitter at, at staytruess.3, and all three of us have the luxury of being someone that our friend David made seem very smart on Twitter <laughs> over the last few days. Steven, how you doing? Hey, blessings and abundance to you guys. I'm doing exceptional. How about you all? I'm excited. Great, you know, a little disappointed, I'll be honest, today because I thought Kevin Durant was playing yeah. on, on Friday and, and we would have had the opportunity because this was scheduled for a few days now. I was mm -hmm. hoping we'd had the opportunity today to talk about the game coming up on Friday. But look, 
if it's Wednesday, it's Wednesday. It's only two games after that. And yeah, we'll be able to talk about KD uh, then. Now, no doubt. we were talking before we recorded and I said, you know what? Let's just get this on the mic because it's very specific basketball stuff. And it's exactly why we wanted to have you on, uh, Stephen. And we were talking about our, our friend, Matt Brooks, who covers the Nets. And he's on a, he's a Blue Wire podcaster, too. He's really great had this interview where he was talking to Nets coach Jacques Vaughn specifically about the Nets working some more Suns offensive plays into their system with Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, who he called CJ, by the way, which is very weird to me, and I'm not going to get used to that if that's something that Nets fans do. And he specifically was talking about elbow plays, and it was something that stood out. I think all three of us found this interesting which is not a surprise now thinking about the way the three of us watch the game. But he was specifically talking about the angles the screens take, like the, the angles that Mikel Bridges uses to get off his elbow plays in comparison to Kevin Durant. And uh, Steven, you said it was something that stuck out to you as well. What was it about that interview that stuck out to you? Yeah, so, well, first of all, when you're incorporating a new talent into your system and your system has been proven to have worked, it says a lot that you're willing to tweak the system to put that specific player in his, in their most optimal positions to be as successful as they could be on the floor. So it was a great question by Matt, as you mentioned, and I thought that the answer was extremely detailed and it was really revealing in terms of looking at how um, like players from different teams might be valued from other teams and how they're incorporated into new systems. So seeing how uh, Jock spoke to, of course, the angles, like you mentioned as well, um, from Mikhail being more horizontal from the elbows versus Kevin Durant being more vertical, working down from, say, the el- or the blocks or the front of the basket going towards the perimeter of the floor. Um, just kind of, it was fun. It's always fun picking the coach's brain and seeing things from their perspective, especially when they make changes like that. I thought what was interesting about that is when we think about how to integrate Kevin Durant into the Suns offense there is this general thought process that I think we all kind of agree on that the offense is already kind of tailor-made for what Durant does because like in some ways Monty just treats Devin Booker as Kevin Durant right they, they do a lot of the same things they score from a lot of the same spots on the floor they're able to make the right reads from a lot of the same spots on the floor but then you know hearing Jacques Vaughn talk about the difference between how Mikael Bridges likes to get his screens and and which is the exact same way that Devin Booker likes to do it compared to Kevin Durant made me think oh well then this this is the great example I think of how the Suns could tweak their own offense to add Kevin Durant back into the system so the Nets did it with their offense to integrate Mikael Bridges and just from the exact opposite perspective the Suns could do the same thing so instead of running the sort of horizontal I like the way you describe in the horizontal screens for KD maybe they could integrate some of the vertical screens for KD and almost like integrating some of what the Nets do into our system is that something that you can envision the Suns doing for KD oh 1000 percent 1000 percent and to kind of even take it a little step further um, just looking at the way Kevin Durant operates at his, at his most optimal self um, I also 
Uh, kind of in alignment with that, think about how the Suns might run more isolation for KD. Of course, they're a team that moves the ball more frequently than they do run isolation, especially uh, early in the shot clock. But KD is as good as it gets at those elbow touches and at those mid-post touches, um, not just to score, but also to be a facilitator or an advantage setter just off of being on the court and having the ball in his hands. Um, so just thinking about it from that perspective, I know isolations aren't necessarily a play. But when you have a player with the gravity of Kevin Durant, they actually are because of the attention that he garners. So kind of looking at tweaks to the system that aren't typically characteristic of a .5 or Monty Williams system um, and seeing they kind of tweak to uh, ingratiate a new player into the system. Uh, that's something else that I have my eye on and that'll be interesting to see unfold as well. Steven, I want to call attention to what i thought was a really fantastic article from you for people who don't know and hopefully most people know by now but you're a contributor over at bright side of the sun you have some absolutely terrific work over there in terms of the film study type stuff um in addition valley to of the, the suns too right i just want to throw them both out there yeah it, I are you was, still at valley so i was i was with valley and then i guess i like graduated to, <laughs> to information so, <laughs> got it so got sh- it okay shout out shout out dave <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. no, Dave gives a lot of people opportunity over there, man. It's how so many people got their start. Kellen got his start over there. I wrote there for, for a small amount of time, but it's it's great. And the stuff you do there in particular is is terrific, in addition to all the great work on Twitter. You wrote an article, this was, this was several days ago now, but you wrote an article in the aftermath of the trade. And I think, you know, everyone has been kind of touching on the same theme of, of <clears throat> the value added by KD, essentially everything that the Suns already do, he does better. I think everyone's had different ways of saying that same thing. I loved the way that you put it so succinctly, so I just wanted to call out a quote. You said here in this article, quote, that KD doesn't force changes to the system, and I think this goes right back to what we were just talking about, doesn't force changes to the system, rather adding abundances of value to its already existing entities and dynamics while sprinkling in more size and skill, as well as, and here's the ISO stuff, more off-script juice. And you said ISOs. You also mentioned cuts, mentioned mismatch exploitation, um, and general play outside of sets. And then you end the quote here, he's downright prolific. I guess, first of all, again, I thought it was a great way of putting it, but also when it comes to Monty Williams, if there's if there's anything I would love so much over the break right now, like as this team is starting to get to practice, as these guys are working together, I would love nothing more than to be a fly on the wall and try to understand the challenge that Monty Williams has ahead of him. Because as you were just saying, and as you said in this article, they don't need to force major changes to the system. It's all small stuff with KD, right? And And I think there's an element of how much work does Monty even have in the coming days? in terms of establishing a balance of power between KD, between Book, and, and between CP3? Or do we think he's essentially just turning the ball over and like having complete faith, complete trust in these three guys and understanding that the amount of basketball IQ on the floor, their ability to command possession to possession, like what we're going to see in post-All-Star break is just, you, you never really see that on NBA teams. It's going to be at another level. For sure. I feel like... And this is something that I've definitely gone back and forth with since the the Durant trade went down officially a little over a week ago. Um, I feel like the the majority of the task that Monty's going to have on him will be more so with rotations than it is with X's and O's. And I feel like if you're a coach, that is that is the place you want to be in where your players are so cerebral and they're so willing to sacrifice for the greater good of the team. 
in a in a manner that's conducive to winning and rooted in winning. I feel like if you have a team that's of that of that stature and the pieces fit so well together, like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, obviously Kevin Durant, and even DeAndre Aiden in that mix, the way they mesh together so well, I feel like that's the place you want to be in. And I think the kicker with everything related to the Suns and having this high power um and of course of course we're speaking on it projectively but um having a a, a team that is able to operate at such a high frequency uh, I think the kicker is having an all-time point guard at your disposal that's that knows how to like have pieces work together in a manner to where they're as optimal as they could possibly be. Um, of course, you have a lot of a lot of mouths to feed in terms of obviously getting KD touches, even though he can do it himself. And the same thing with Devin Booker. But you also have the DeAndre Aiden factor that he also has to you know make sure that he's get, keeping the big fella involved within the offense, um, and then also getting shots for himself. Like that's going to be an important part of the offense as well. So I think the key to it all is having CP3 in the mix with everything. And alleviating a lot of the pressure of drawing up plays from Monty Williams because you have an on-court floor general that also shares a lot of the same um, concepts and mindsets and perspectives as an extension of the head coach. And honestly, I don't think there's a better point guard head coach relationship than the one that Chris Paul and Monty Williams Mm -hmm. has based off of the historical context that the two have. Uh, In addition to everything else that's come up since he's since Chris Paul has been a part of the Phoenix Suns. So. So, yeah, for sure. It's it's another good reminder that Kevin Durant and Monty Williams have a previous relationship as well. Yes. You know, they're, it's obviously, you know, everyone points at Devin Booker as the reason that Kevin Durant wanted to play in Phoenix, and he is the reason. <laughs> like, he is the most important reason. Obviously, you know, playing with great players is your best chance to win a title, but there was so much more in place infrastructure-wise that made this happen, and Monty Williams and the relationship he has with players and, and the relationships he develops are, I think, something that people pretend like they could overlook sometimes. Like it matters less uh, and it doesn't. It just doesn't. I think it's one of the most important things. just wanted to add some context to some of the things you were talking about. You're talking about isolation. And I think it's a really, really great point. Uh, but, you know, the Suns played without Devin Booker for a lot of this year. Obviously, he missed a significant amount of time. Chris Paul missed time. The offense was basically predicated around Mikel Bridges and DeAndre and for most of the season so far. And in isolation plays, the Suns are actually, so far this season, the third worst team and really tied for second worst team in isolation points per possession. So when it comes to efficiency in isolation, they're you, bad. Um, they're they're almost the, one of the worst. Do you have the player data there by any chance? or just I don't. Team? I'm looking at the team data. Yeah, I brought it up because I, I I had checked this just last week. Love him to death, but I think Mikhail's uh, numbers there are pretty bad. <laughs> bad and also just getting better, right? And they will continue mm-hmm. to get better, but he's yeah. struggled with his injuries so far in this season. But, I mean, the point is you take Devin Booker out of it, no one can isolate on the Suns. And, you know, when I look at the stats, by the way, 0.83 points per possession tied with... This is going to surprise both of you, I have a feeling. The Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks have a similar issue in mm. that Giannis could do it, but Chris Middleton has not been himself you mm-hmm. know, this whole season. And what we've seen with the playoffs and what happens in NBA games is your plays matter, and they matter a lot. But once you start playing a team over and over and over again in the playoffs, it breaks down, and then you need the isolation scores to bail you out. And now the Suns having more than one, and really, if Chris Paul is healthy, three and right on the right kinds of switches, DeAndre and potentially even four, 
Mm-hmm. That's just going to matter a lot. And just to really hammer home that point, number one in isolation points per possession so far this season, the Brooklyn Nets. And you yep. can guess why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not just KD. I, you know, shout out to Kyrie Irving, who clearly is capable of isolation scoring as well. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Durant is the heavy lifter in that specific stat. And I think, you know, there's so much that I've talked about with the Suns and how this offense is just nobody's built to properly defend it. You know, you can make the case, I think, for the Bucks. You can probably make the case for the Boston Celtics, assuming the Suns make it to the NBA Finals. But in the West, it's hard to envision a team defending this because you talk about having Chris Paul as the the leader, so the band leader here, and making all the right plays. And the three guys off the ball in that scenario are three of the best off-ball players in the NBA offensively, if you include DeAndre Ayton scoring at the rim. And it's just it's incredible to think about. But like as you've envisioned the offense for the Suns, do you agree with that? Or can you picture any team in the West or coming up against this type of offense as we envision it. Of course, everything could change once you see it in person. But as we currently envision it, do you see any team matching up well against it in the West? So I like to try to bring context from, um, of course, what happened in Kevin Durant's tenure with the Brooklyn Nets as, as far as like recent recent memory that we can base things off of. And the, the team that gave him the most fits was obviously the, the Boston Celtics. And they have a specific type of um, defensive uh, defensive outlook and uh, also a defensive game plan that only, in my opinion, two two teams in the NBA can execute. That's them, of course. And then there's the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-hmm. Now, the Celtics have a dynamic in offense that the Clippers wish that they could have in terms of um, sustainability and a, a certain ceiling that the Boston Celtics offense has, independent of, in addition to their defense. Um, for the Clippers to be at their most optimal, they have to play off of their defense. And a lot of times they don't necessarily get that because of the pace that they play at and things of that nature. So um, in terms of teams that can match up with the with the Suns in this rendition with KD, um, I think their biggest worry is in the opposite conference, which is – which is really what you want in terms of looking at the landscape of the Western Conference. But I do feel like the Los Angeles Clippers, especially with that head coach that they have over there in Tyron Lue, uh, being able to draw things up no different than uh, a Nick Nurse would defensively or Eric Spolstra would. Um, they have the, the means to do it, but whether they can get it done to the extent that it negates a lot of the, the um, inevitable offensive issues in terms of flow and things like that that they might have in the half court, that remains to be seen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now 
and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, I want to shift focus towards defense a little bit too, if that's okay, Mike. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. yes. That's what I've, I've been waiting to talk about KD on uh, defense. Let's go. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. I, I just feel like this is the most overblown, quote unquote, issue that other people have lobbed on this team. I'm feeling very bullish on their defense at the moment, but I've seen some of the stuff you've said about it too. And again, it's it's great analysis, man. So I just want to give you the chance to talk about it. A, well, I I think we should talk about it kind of from two reference points. One. Let's talk about what KD does on defense, but also the other thing I I've seen you make this point, and I really want you to kind of get you to reiterate it again. What KD enables you to do with DeAndre Ayton on defense, because we mm-hmm. talked about DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton being the X factor in terms of um, effort and motivation, and I think that's all really interesting and that's important. But also just schematically, what having two literally two seven foot five wingspans paired together in the front court. If we assume the right motivation from them on a day-to-day night, and maybe it's a big assumption, but if we can get there from a schematic standpoint, then what can we do? What kind of maybe more aggressive defensive coverages can we can we throw at teams or, or um, just get a little more liberal with things in general? So, yeah, I mean, whatever you have on, on Katie's defense, I'm all ears. Yeah, for sure. So, I, again, I love bringing context to things. Um, the, the Brooklyn Nets had one of the best and most effective uh, defenses this season, um, largely because Jacques Vaughn brought in, like, a switching scheme that they essentially switched um, all, like, pick and rolls. And a lot of that was because he had players the likes of not just Nick Claxton, but also Kevin Durant on the back line. To um, any, any, any switching off ball that might occur, be able to kick guys out of uh, mismatches in the post or scram switch them out if a player, uh, if it, like the pass was on the flight to that specific player that had the mismatch that they were looking to exploit, and that just completely throws off of the throws off the rhythm of a team um, that's trying to attack a mismatch offensively, and having a player that's the same size as a player that might be evolved directly in a ball screen, it just allows for DeAndre Aiden to more comfortably play closer to the level of the screen, if not past the level of the screen with hedging out or um, sending a double team at whoever it is that might be coming off of uh, coming off of a pick. And that naturally, A, picks up the opportunities for your defense to create um, events in terms of deflections and getting steals and sending uh, opposing offenses off script with their whatever their attack might be. But it also allows for your defense to dictate things in terms of the pace and the flow. Um, and if you do it, if your coach and your team does a great job executing within that and they're able to blend in a little bit of drop, a little bit of switching, a little bit of activity at the level mm-hmm. and then a little bit of activity past the level. Now you're keeping teams honest because say you got John Morant that's coming off of a pick in the first quarter and mm-hmm. he sees DeAndre Aiden in the drop. 
Um, he's going to attack it differently, but if he sees that they're blending in and mixing coverages to the extent that this team suggests that they will be able to, that puts the Suns in a position to dictate in that we honestly haven't really seen in this rendition because for as good yeah. as Jay Crowder was, doing those things that Kevin Durant did with the Brooklyn Nets this season with scram switching and kickout switching and tagging rollers and all of that stuff, um, he can't do the things that Durant does because he doesn't have the stature. Like his wingspan and his height are a lot less than what Kevin Durant brings to the table. And that's really a, a, a void that the Suns have been trying to figure out how to yeah. uh, address directly with that size and stature. And they did so while also receiving a bump up in offense as well as defense, in my <laughs> opinion. So, yeah. A plus, A plus, man. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm, just think- think- I'm just thinking about the potential. Sorry, Mike. It's like, because mm-hmm. KD, obviously, we all know what the, the secondary rim protection is there. But then the fifth guy, I'm assuming you agree, by the way, if the fifth guy is Josh Okogie, do you think Josh Okogie should be the fifth guy? Steven, are you Absolutely, on the record? Absolutely, 1,000%. Because <laughs> I recognize a lot of times he's going to be the guy, he's going to be point of attack defender, but in the cases where he's not, if you have a Kogi coming from the weak side as well, you have like kind of X, you have just so mm-hmm. many opportunities to deflect passes and just be more aggressive, and they're going to generate so many turnovers if they play this right. I'm really excited for it. I just hope, it, as you... As you like underscored i hope it's versatile and they're throwing mm-hmm. different looks i think and, that just to add I, tr- I try to think about listeners who maybe don't fully understand some of the uh, terminology you're using uh which is why we have you on for the record because you get it um but i think if you want to try to picture it if you want to try and envision it if you're a suns fan i think a good way to think about it is kind of how the the grizzlies have uh jjj uh sort of as their potential second guy as the rim protector. And then they have Steven Adams and you could see mm-hmm. for the Grizzlies, how the defense fa- kind of falls apart when you don't have both of them in, on the floor, which is a different case than I think what would happen if it was Durant. But having said that, what you could do, for example, the way the Suns played the Mavericks. Now people are going to hate even bringing up that series, but there's one thing that happened quite a bit in that series. And that's Spencer Dinwiddie coming around the screen and Aiton not being high enough to contest mm-hmm. and just shooting wide open pull-up threes around a screen over and over and over again. And there were times where the Suns were in games and that alone took them out of it. And what Steven is suggesting, and I totally agree with, is they have the option for Aiton to play that at a higher level so that he's essentially stopping the three but conceding the possibility of a drive because there's a secondary rim protector at the end of that. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Kevin Durant's going to be the other person involved in that screen. You suggested a scram switch at the end of that. And what that could mean is Kevin Durant, as soon as the screen happens, Kevin Durant coming off of the corner and whoever is the other person on that switching off to the corner shooter. It's pretty advanced level defense. And I think you're right that the Suns could play it. And it is interesting that because the difference between having Cam Johnson on a center mm-hmm. in a switch and Kevin Durant is huge. And it's just something that you can't really understate. And I think, you know, the way if they do it right and if if and a lot of it rides on Aiton, right? This is kind of the tough part mm-hmm. with this scenario because Aiton, one, a big, big thing about Aiton, staying out of foul trouble, right? And what the reason he played a little lower in, in against the Mavs, for example, in his sort of drop or often switches is that he tried to contain the drive because there wasn't another option for any rim defense at the end of that. 
And if the Suns didn't have that option, you kind of have to contain the drive, especially on someone like Luca. And yeah, it's just, I, I agree with you. I, I'm not fully convinced that the defense is going to maybe be better, but I do think that like it putting might. together, it might. Yeah. Like there's a <laughs> chance actually that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I mean, and better than it was this season is easy to be honest, because DeAndre Ayton was not really playing at the level that we've known him to play, whether that be injury or whatever else was involved for him to not necessarily play at that level. And if he does play at that level, having a secondary rim protector is something that you should be excited about. And I, I guess you, you had something else you wanted to say, add on to that, Stephen. I, I want to let you have a chance to talk too. For sure. There was there was two more things, with, and you guys were making just unbelievable points uh one of the other points that mike was getting to i'm sorry that sam was getting to with uh durant being able to x out and make those dynamic type of closeouts is that uh devin booker is extremely underrated in executing those same types of um types of closeouts from the weak side he's a very underrated athlete and he's also extremely disciplined with his closeouts in terms of closing out under control he's able to put his foot down on the three-point line the keep to take guys off of that shot and he's also able to rotate and um, stay in his defensive slide position to contain the ball after making that closeout which is the toughest thing to do making those long range and long distance closeouts um, and still being able to contain the ball on top of that to keep your defensive shell intact Um, and then the other thing is uh, so obviously DeAndre Aiden like Mike was getting to has that truly want to do these things in terms of being more aggressive and doing it in a smart manner where you're not putting yourself in position to pick up fouls and things like that. But Kevin Durant is also very much a willing defender as well. Like it's one thing to have the stature and the uh, athleticism and the, yes. the wingspan to execute these schemes, but you mm-hmm. have to truly want to do it and you have to want to do it it's- when it's hard to. When you're at, when you got 30 points, but you also need uh you need three or four stops in a row in a game six on the road to avoid going to game seven at home against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or against Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Like Durant has the chops to do it on the biggest stage, and he's also willing to not just like contest with verticality. He's also willing to sell out and put his body on the floor and take a charge, which is yeah. that's rare among those players in that top four realm of the NBA. So this like the that like when of course you think about the offense when you first get KD because how do you not? But that's the yeah. that's like immediately after thinking about the things that he brings to the offense was where my mind went to with him getting things done as a team defender and then being able to do things individually as well because the Nets also had uh, like I mentioned one of the best uh, one of the best defenses in terms of defending. I isolation and a lot of that had to do with Kevin Durant as well being able yeah. to hold his own uh, whether it's in a mid post in the true post or out in space um you know guarding against players late in the shot clock so that's a couple other things that I definitely have my eye on as well it's such a good point about the stature versus willingness thing you were talking about because you think about how many guys are drafted in the top 10 just based on maybe being able to hit a three in college and having like a 7-2 wingspan And then they don't actually make the impact that their athleticism lives up to because they don't have the willingness. They don't, you're you're talking about X outs, you're talking about smart rotations, the scram switch stuff. Some of the clips I saw you sharing of Durant scram switching is the perfect example of it. Like I saw one clip where back on the nets, I think it was Julius Randle on the perimeter, they're playing the Knicks. He gets Mm -hmm. a switch onto like Joe Harris or something. And then KD comes over from the weak side, forces Joe Harris to, to scram switch out to the corner and he takes on that assignment. KD doesn't have to do that. No superstar player in those sort of situations has to do a scram switch. It's not like something that is 
100% necessary. It's the type of plays that you only make if you have a special level of willingness, if you really want to, if you really want to make winning plays, to be honest. Like, it's the type of thing that separates guys and, and, and in my opinion, makes them winners. So just the fact that you already knew that we had one of the... Two of these guys, really, because Chris Paul, you never doubted. But we had another one of these guys in, in book who you just never doubted the effort. And we've talked so much about his sacrifices over the past several years on both sides of the ball. And now just to add another guy like that who's just going to make the right decision 99 times out of 100, mm-hmm. it's just it's insane, man. The the IQ's off the charts. And I think that's the that's the great elixir between between CP, KD, and obviously D-Book as well, is that not only are they three uh, all-time, or of course Devin Booker is approaching that all-time level, um, skill-wise and just how they impose their will on the game, but they all have the same approach that's rooted in winning. There's no agenda that exceeds past winning, and they mm-hmm. also don't care how that win comes about, like how it looks. Like, I'm sure I, it's without question that KD doesn't care if he gets five points. If they get the win, they get the win. Obviously, CP doesn't care if he doesn't score at all, which is part of his, <laughs> part of his issue sometimes, but yeah. he doesn't care. At the end of the day, he wants to win, and obviously, D-Book doesn't care either. Like, he, if he doesn't have to score, he could just, you know, pass to Kevin Durant, and they win. He's okay with that because winning is the, the overarching objective. And I feel like... With a lot of these quote unquote big threes that have been assembled over the years, yeah, there's been a discrepancy in the manner in which they should go about winning, whether that be touches, whether that be uses, whether that be, um, you know, it could be a, a whole assortment of things. But the fact that these three are just, just three of the most organic, just like the the Twitter verb uh, hoopers that you they're can hoop find. Heads. They're, they're just hoopers. They just they're fucking they're love hoop-heads. the game. They're sickos. Man. That's it. They're, they're hoopers and they're sickos. Exactly. And I feel like when you have three players, especially of the talent levels that those three have, and they're all like minded like that, the sky is the absolute limit. And the sky might actually be the floor at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> that's a great. Uh, quote there but like nothing exemplifies that more than the most memorable play for the Suns in their finals run being a play where Devin Booker sets a screen on a seven foot Zubats and just gets hammered on the screen you know freeing up DeAndre and for the Valley Oop I mean that's the yep. kind of thing that you're talking about you know there's a funny quote where uh, Monty Williams is drawing up a play for the Suns and he tells Devin Booker yeah I need you to be a decoy on this play and Devin Booker says, that's an expensive decoy, coach. <laughs> it's just such a great example of how Devin Booker views it. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. But just a reminder, I'm, I'm the max guy here. Uh, but he's still willing to do it. And the willingness is there. And I think it does. You know, you, you talk about other big threes. I think it separates the difference between other big threes and what the Suns could potentially put together. But not even just that, even more granular, even more specific. It's the difference between Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden and Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul, you know, maybe there's a talent gap if you want to make that point, and I think I would agree with you. But mindset-wise... But there's a Hooper gap. Yeah, there's just... There's so much more... (laughs) There's so much more on the same level when it comes to how they approach the game and what they value. There's a reason Kevin Durant has to be on the Suns, guys. I I think this is Mm -hmm. clear. We understand what it is, and and it's not... Like I said, it's not just... Uh, Devin Booker. It's also Chris Paul. It's also Monty Williams. I do think there was a little bit of uh, Mikel. He wanted to play with Mikel Bridges too. I think uh, because there was this great quote in the article about in Brian Windhorst's article about the trade that went down, and it was that 
Kevin Durant looked at what the team would be after the trade, the Suns, and still decided that he still wanted to play on the Suns. It just it just implies that he was hoping something different would happen and they were able to keep one of those guys and obviously James Jones was and it would have been fascinating to see that but I think they're in the place where it doesn't matter it's still going to be just incredible. Are there specific lineups that you can envision that you're looking forward to seeing? This is something Sam and I talked about. We haven't gotten into it as much as we'd like to. And I think watching them play will be the most revealing thing, but is there something that you want to see from the Suns once they're out on the court all together and healthy? Yes, yes. So upon them getting CP3, and this would have helped if Dario was, um, if Dario wasn't, if he didn't get hurt in that in that series against the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals, of course. But even just even kind of looking past that, I always wanted the Suns to target a player like archetype that could operate as a small ball center. And the fact that they just got a player that could potentially be the best small ball center in the NBA, especially with the pieces around him that the Suns have to offer, uh, that's that's what really pops off the page to me. And just thinking about some of their their five out delay sets and actions, where DeAndre Ayton's typically dribbling the ball at the um, at the dome at the at the center of the floor, and there's down screens and different type of actions going on on both sides of the, on both like outer thirds of the floor on the wings going down towards the corners. Imagining Aiden off the floor and in a small ball lineup, Kevin Durant being out there and then you got all of this yeah. action going on. Like, what are you going to do? Because if he goes yeah. to, if he goes into a dribble handoff and you try to switch it and you're not switching it aggressively, KD can always just split the switch and get right to the basket or like Barkley dribble into the, the, the mid post or the low post. And now you're at his will. And, it's just that there's the endless possibilities with you the can't trap, you can dude. You can't trap. You that's can't important switch. to say. You can't. Right, we like, we saw them trap do? on that <laughs> in the playoffs over and over and mm-hmm. over again because it was mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, mm-hmm. and and he can't turn and dribble. Mm-hmm. Durant can, and that means if mm-hmm. it's Booker on the other end of that, you just can't. You can't trap. <laughs> yeah, they're at they're at they're at their will at that point. Like I'm not. I've really like I've really been sitting with it since the trade went down, trying to figure out what I feel like might make the most sense schematically and defending this team and even more so looking at it specifically through the small ball lens i just don't see it i don't know if monty will deploy it as much in the regular season which would be wise of him to not use it until like obviously the playoffs to have this ultimate spade in his back pocket to use but just the just the thought of it is 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 polarizing like just thinking about um if a team is deciding to go with switching which is most likely what they'll do um Thinking about Chris Paul and Kevin Durant in the pick and roll, and yeah. Kevin Durant not just being able to roll or slip, but for also for him to be able to pop. So now you're just putting all types of stress on the defense. And past CP3, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker can go what would be two five or five two pick and roll, either or, <laughs> and like <laughs> the possibilities are just endless, man. And I think that was an underlying weapon that the Brooklyn Nets had. With uh, whenever Kyrie was available for injury or for other reasons, um, this is the <laughs> fact that <laughs> was the fact that Kyrie could also screen for KD. So now, if you're switching, you're gonna put a, a it might be a decent defender, but they're gonna be of a smaller stature and might not necessarily be the matchup that you want. So now you got Kevin Durant with a smaller player on him who he can obviously rise over with his seven five wingspan and his seven one and his seven one height, and it's just like all of these little things that the Suns can manipulate in their favor over and over again in a tons of different um, like lineup renditions. It's just it's amazing to think about. I'm curious to think about uh, where you guys' minds went with lineups as well. 
I mean, Sam, get ready to see the Landry Shamit screens. I'm going to keep bringing that up to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Both- we both it's mentioned the happen. same thing. I, I think Chris Paul definitely being able to manipulate those lineups with KD at center, but we also specifically mentioned, you know, the idea of point book, which Monty has been reluctant to use. But this would be more for defensive purposes. I'd be curious about book at point, KD at the five, and it almost doesn't matter who you put two through four. Although, to Mike's point, you would try and stack as much shooting in that lineup as possible. So maybe Landry. And I think Ish would make sense in a that player lineup there. too. Yeah, if he if he gets a, if, a roster spot, gets, ultimately. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, KD, just with what you were talking about, I mean, obviously the switches and then you were saying him as a screener, he can set a hard screen, he can pop, he can also ghost a screen. And just the level of concentration that a defense is going to have with all of those guys on the floor running around and the different actions, it's, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how much of a cheat code this is. <laughs> and like how three or four weeks ago, I was thinking best case scenario. And I thought there was no way it really was going to happen at the deadline. If it was going to happen, it probably was going to happen in the summer. But I was thinking to myself, to to Mike's point, like best case scenario is we find a way to get Siakam in the offseason. And we kind of retool a little bit and think about how much <laughs> downhill pressure that would add to our offense. And like, same. Man, but the uh, that this is so much better than that. It's just in so many ways. It's like yeah. I can't believe I can't believe it really happened. It's it's the biggest trade in Suns history. I think you could make the case it's the biggest trade in Suns history. The only one close is Charles Barkley, and you know, all time wise, Durant's better, and mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Regardless of how that makes Charles Barkley uh, <laughs> feel, uh, but yeah, we get to see it pretty soon. We keep these ones relatively short steven so i think we'll cut this one off here but we're gonna have to have you on again especially after we see some basketball because there's gonna be basketball to talk about soon and that's as exciting as it could possibly get i'm sure there's gonna be some level of minutes restriction and like i just envision durant still scoring 30 in like 25 minutes and that's just like how excited i am i guess i have to lower those expectations somehow but obviously we're gonna have you back on soon i want to say again make sure to follow Steven on Twitter. Steven, could you say your uh, at on Twitter one more time? Oh, did we lose you, Steven? Do we, we lose him? <laughs> oh, my bad. I have my mic on. <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie mistake. My uh, my ad is uh, S-T-A-Y-T-R-U-E-S-D-O-T-3. That's stay true, S dot, and the number three. On Twitter, follow me if you want to talk hoop from a transparent perspective. Uh, I'm definitely down to do it always, as long as you're not coming in with an agenda that you're trying to push. So it's pure I basketball. Love I love it's that. pure <laughs> basketball on his Twitter feed. I can tell you that there's great film analysis that you could find on there, and you know everything that you want when it comes to actually thinking about the Suns. It's a perfect place to go. Make sure to read everything Stephen writes on Bright Side of the Sun as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Stephen. Nah, thank you guys. I appreciate your brand, your platform, how you guys go about having such a powerful brand as well. So that's why it's such a such a grateful opportunity for me to be able to tap in and talk Hooper. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.